Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Greetings and welcome to Military Network Radio. I'm Linda Crater, and we have a wonderful show for you today. We're going to be talking about the core strengths for transitioning veterans. And I think we know that there are some amazing skills and competencies gained while in service. And so often there are questions of how do I translate this into my next phase of life? And we know that veterans often have some challenges with this. And today we're going to tell you and share with you, with a wonderful guest, how Everything you've learned can be transferred, and that goes for family members as well. And for today's show, I'm joined by Justin Constantine. Good morning, Justin. Hey, good morning, Linda. It's always great to be here. It is great, and and I, it's just so nice to hear your voice. I am really looking forward to this show because you know our guests personally. And first, let's just do a little tiny overview are about the importance and the value of the habits you gained in the military. Yeah, this is a very relevant topic. It's actually been relevant for the last few years as there have been a lot of efforts to help uh, transitioning service members and veterans uh, prepare for for life in the private sector, whether it's with a government job or or in in private industry, because so many of us struggle with defining how these incredible skills learned in the military apply afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have seen the veteran unemployment rate go down, which is great. Um, that being said, uh, we also see a lot of veterans and uh, transition service members stay at their first job, not for very long because it wasn't a great fit for a number of reasons. So when we can talk today about these things, about recognizing and identifying what you learn in the military and how that applies to what you really want to do in life, we're all going to benefit from that, uh, from that discussion. Well said. And I, I think one of the things about the military is that you are constantly learning and you're constantly given missions and constantly told to accomplish them. And there's a lot of independence and there's a lot of really interesting teamwork that goes on. And the mission is always accomplished when you're in the military. And I think translating some of those core strengths um, into the civilian sector, I think that veterans provide enormous value to their new organizations. And that that keeping an open mind and, and not judging, I think, is super important. So, Justin, please introduce our guest today. Well, I'm excited that we have Dwayne Paro on today. Dwayne and I have been friends for a couple of years now. Um, Dwayne is a, a very active blogger on LinkedIn and Huffington Post. He's also a corporate executive. He's had a number of positions since he left the Air Force. He, he deployed to a combat environment. He's working on a book right now, which is going to be a great benefit to a lot of transitioning veterans and their family members. And so he's really developing nicely into a thought leader in our space. 
And perhaps most importantly, he's recently rolled out a fantastic podcast uh, focusing on veteran entrepreneurs, and he's also launched a coaching business. So Dwayne has his hands full, uh, and he's doing all of it very well. So Dwayne, welcome to the show. Great. Well, what a what an amazing introduction, and uh, it's an honor to be here. We are awfully glad that you're here. I, I mean, Justin, that was a terrific introduction, and. You know, I, I think let's start with the basics for our listeners who may done this a long time ago or may be contemplating this or family members who are also considering what's next. And and talk a little bit about how you feel about the core strengths that you learn in the military and how you believe and practice them now and why it continues to make a difference in providing a great foundation for every phase that you next will achieve. Sure. Yeah. Core strengths are really fundamental to anybody's, you know, existence, whether you're a veteran or not. But the military provides right from day one, when you go in, we all are very ingrained into very common core strengths that, you know, we continue to to develop while we're in the military and leverage in every situation. And when we are transitioning out of the military to become successful in our next endeavors, these core strengths, in my opinion, are some of the most important things that a veteran uh, has with them in their in their you know toolbox per se is you know is these various core strengths to be able to go to any company or any environment, start their own business, whatever they really want to do. And the best part is with these core strengths, you never have to reinvent yourself. That, you know, that term that I hear sometimes really makes me cringe because I, I never want to see a military person who's transitioning lose who they've become because what they, what they've become and what value they can add to any organization or any business they create is just, you know, beyond reproach. There, there's no, you know, there's no replacement for that. And so I think it's very important that as veterans are transitioning, that they understand exactly what those core strengths are and how they can leverage them, you know, to be the best that, that they can in, in their future. I love the positive aspect of taking a look at this. And I think so often, you know, people have forgotten what it's like to job hunt, to interview, mm -hmm. to take a look at talking about these things that you take for granted and the language perhaps needs a little translation. And, and yet what you're saying is take a look at these core strengths, recognize them for what they are. And I'm going to imagine you're going to talk a little bit about each one of those but do you also recommend talking to veterans who've made the transition so that you can build and affirm the fact that, no, you may not ace your first interview. You may need to go a couple of times. Justin mentioned that you can find your first job, but you don't stay with it very long. And, and that learning is very different than being placed in a promotion within the military. And so seeking what is your good fit needs the confidence to know those values. So talk a little bit about this positive affirmation of those values and how you use those even when there are hurdles to overcome. Not that you didn't have a few in the military, correct? Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. You know, it's just another 
it's just another obstacle, right? You faced many obstacles while you were in the military and you overcome them. You overcome them all, you know, and, and when you think about how did you overcome those obstacles, it is using your core strengths. You know, military members are very adaptable, right? So being able to adapt to a new culture or a new situation, you've done that. You've done that in many different ways. You know, having perseverance, right? So when that first interview or even you, you know, you make it through the rickets of the first interview and you're offered a job and you go and you're like, wow, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. Maybe this isn't, you know, this isn't for this really wasn't the right position for me. Having that perseverance to step back and and reevaluate and be able to handle the stress of that situation in in that new environment are, are all parts of those core strengths, you know, uh, the the veterans have a like we said earlier in in the uh, initial discussion here is there's long long life uh, learners right they're always mm-hmm. learning and they have a amazing thirst for knowledge and so you know being able to leverage that thirst for knowledge and apply that in your new environment is, is critical you know one of the things that I've noticed as a hiring manager and somebody that's worked in the corporate environment for many years that the accountability and dependability of a veteran is is beyond reproach. You you don't you don't get that in uh most individuals. You know, they they're very uh inward focused. They they want to see what what's next for them. What am I going to get out of this? You know, where a veteran is accountable and dependable and they want to be an immediate contributor. And you know, as an organization that that you know as a manager in an organization or someone leading an organization that is extremely important because you need somebody who can step in to any role and be adaptable you know uh be that immediate contributor and be effective in in their communication so you know these are all those essential core strengths that you learn in the military and you know probably one of the most important is integrity you know, an employer can really rely on a veteran to do the right thing no matter what. Integrity first and integrity, you know, always, you know, is is at the forefront of what they're doing. And so, you know, I don't think a lot of veterans think about those core strengths, right? And when, when they hear this, hopefully they're going to say, wow, yeah, you know, I, I, I actually exemplify all that, you know, and now I can <laughs> I can frame my value that way. So that when I go to that interview, and even if I don't ace that first interview, or maybe the second one, I, I know exactly when I go for that, that third one or the second one, whatever it is, that now I have the, the, a different frame of reference because you know we don't want to get tripped up in trying to translate language and technical skills because mm-hmm. it all really depends on who's interviewing you, right? It could be somebody who has no military background or somebody that has military background and so how they perceive your message will be different well join i i appreciate what you're saying and, and i think you're right and that's just that's not just based on my personal opinion about what veterans bring to the workforce but because studies show the last couple of years that a lot of uh, an overwhelming number of executives who have hired veterans feel really good about those decisions and would do it again if given the opportunity. Um, I th- so there's no question with that. I think, and you touched on this, one of the challenges our community faces is because we come from a, an environment not to brag about ourselves and not to uh, identify the great things about ourselves, in conjunction with the fact that 
We don't ever have to interview for jobs in the military, and we're not used to that. Um, we, we can sometimes struggle uh, during that first interview. Our, our civilian counterparts are used to, over the last four or eight years that we've been in the military, they've been out there in the workforce. They've been interviewing. They've been bragging about themselves. So um, I'm, I'm, that, I hope that's something that you work on when you're coaching transition members mm-hmm. and, and, and stress. It's okay to identify for the corporate world what you're good at. Absolutely. No, that that's a great point, Justin. Um, yeah, you know, service members aren't used to right putting themselves out in the front. They're used to holding the world up on their shoulders and saying, you know, I've, I've got your back. So yeah, no, that is an amazing point. And so, what? Uh, let's just stay on this for a second. We have about a minute until we go to a break. But what are some things you tell uh, veterans about how to get more comfortable talking about themselves? Yeah, um, you know, just you just got to kind of put those reservations aside. You know, now's the time to advertise yourself, to build your brand. And that's really the the way I, I uh, frame it is that you are now your, you know, an entity and, uh, and unto yourself rather than part of a larger entity. And so it's it's very important that you brand who you are and what you're about and leveraging your military experience is very important in that. You know, it's yeah. very valuable to take a look at how it is framed. And I, I would love – we're going on a break. But when we come back, I want to talk about the flip side of this in terms of how veterans are perceived and how attitude is very, very important in how you take a look at this. You're listening to Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. you have a lot of spizzerinkdom or the will to win, and you have a strong desire to be a part of your favorite sports team, the National Hockey League might be for you. Did you know that if both goalies on an NHL hockey team are injured, anyone at the game is eligible to step in and play the part? Teams have resorted to using their coaches, team owners, and even their web designers to fill in for injured goalies. It's as simple as slipping into your breezers or hockey pants. The original hockey puck was made out of frozen cow dung. The fastest puck shot on record was clocked at 114 miles per hour. And I'd like to take this opportunity to send out a special thanks to the men and women of our armed forces serving our country around the world. It's 
Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're talking to Dwayne Parrow today about the core strengths for transitioning vets. And Justin, on the break, you were you had a question formulated for Dwayne. Yeah, thanks, Linda. Dwayne, um, I you know I made my transition to the product out of the military um, after I was after I was injured it's almost ten years now. But then I worked for the government for a number of years, and now I've been running my own business for about four years. So. And in that capacity, I talked to a lot of veterans who are getting ready to leave the military or who are out and looking for jobs. And I do run into folks sometimes who feel that they're entitled and they feel the company should hire them merely because they serve their country like you and I both did. And I don't, I don't think I don't agree with that mentality. I don't feel like anyone owes me anything. I appreciate it when they acknowledge that, but that's a choice I made. We don't have a draft. Um, what are your thoughts on that? What have you seen? Yeah, I think that's a that is a uh a good example there in the end that, you know, it's not a draft, right? You have to, you have to step back and remember that you volunteered to do this, right? It was your choice. And, you know, I always, you know, find that the civilian side, they want to honor what you've done, but they don't know how to do it. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times it comes across not genuine because they just don't know what to say. So they, they give you a very generic basic, you know, well, thank you for your service. And, and the veteran, of course, you know, with their side is like, not looking for that acknowledgement necessarily. And so they're not sure how to take it. And so that, you know, translates to a greater scale of when somebody's transitioning out, you really have to keep in, in focus that you chose to serve your country and, you know, that nobody really does owe you anything from that, from the perspective of, well, we have to give you a job because you did X. No, you know, that, that was your choice and it was extremely honorable. I did it. I, I really wouldn't, you know, take that back for anything. I, I really enjoyed my time in the military and really felt like I served a greater purpose. And so I think they should take that mentality of serving a greater purpose and trans and figure out how they can translate that in into the civilian side. And they will find that that same gratification that they've had for years. I think that was well said. I, one of the things that I believe is very much a core strength in the military is adaptability, you know, adjusting to the circumstances and being able to communicate that well. Would you say that that is a good way to take a look at um, the new environment that you're in and and to get away from uh, all the very valid points that Justin just mentioned, that you, you, you did volunteer for this service, you're proud of that service, and just as you adapted in the military, Adapting to this new environment, uh, taking a look at four or five interviews, six interviews, really realizing where the fit and the value that you can provide and that can be provided to you is made. So adaptability, speak a bit about that and transitioning. 
Yeah, adaptability is huge. Uh, you know, cultures are different. And so you need to find the culture that's probably the closest fit, but you probably won't find the culture, a culture that is an exact fit to what you had in the military. And so being able to be adaptable. And so you, you, you look at the situation and say, well, this is the closest. And, you know, I have these, these, uh, ability, the ability to influence this, this culture. So maybe, maybe that's, what I do is I can adapt to a certain amount and then I can, you know, look to influence the culture to adapt on that side as well and try to have a point where, you know, you feel like you're really having a positive impact on, on that, uh, on the culture that you're going into. And, you know, in also the adaptability just expands, you know, it's, it's very expansive as far as, ways that you can be adaptable, right? You, Mm -hmm. you learn how to, um, speak the language of the culture. You, you learn how to dress the part, right? Things like that, where, you know, you're used to wearing a uniform and there's, there's a very distinct culture in the military. When you go into an organization, I'll use, uh, the organization I work for during the day, we have seven locations across the country. While we have a core culture, if you go to each of those seven locations, the culture is slightly different depending mm-hmm. on who the leader is, the geographic leader is for the organization. And so you actually have to be adaptable within the culture uh, between locations, not just the overall culture, but but the cultures within the culture. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so the subcultures. And so adaptability is paramount, uh, you know, being able to understand that that, that change is going to be there and things aren't going to be the same. And so I think if you recognize that up front, you over time learn how to adapt without compromise, without necessarily compromising your values, compromising who you are. Uh, So that cultural fit, you know, is very important. Like you said, if it's multiple interviews and while this would be technically this would be a great job, but culturally – I'm I'm not really feeling it. Then you go on to the next one. Be willing to turn that 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 offer down, uh, even though it may be a technical fit. The culture may be too different, and so you can't adapt enough, and without compromising your integrity or your values. Yeah, that's a great point, Wayne. And it's not um, it's not a negative thing or or anything or anything in that vein. If you turn down a job, or if you decide mm-hmm. this isn't a good fit for me, because mm-hmm. Because what a waste of time it is to for the company and for you uh, to go work someplace and after six months leave uh, because you just wasted a bunch of time and money and effort and probably didn't have very much fun while you were there. So mm-hmm. we have to, I think, um, recognize how much value we bring to the table and then don't operate from a scarcity mindset where we have to take the first thing that's offered to us because that that's watering down our value and that's why we have so many veterans who leave uh, at least i think it's half our veterans leave their first job within eight months or something like mm-hmm. that significant mm-hmm. and so along those lines i really appreciate what you're talking about with adapting being adaptable and not compromising i'd like to know um when you when you do talk to veterans, I know you coach some veterans out there. What what are you talking to them? What are some common concerns they have during this time period? Can you share any of those themes with us? Yeah, absolutely. I think it all stems with not wanting to uh, either a lose their identity or b they're not sure how how to uh, create 
their identity or make it make it known. And so, you know, one thing I really like to focus on with all clients, starting with, a you know, creating that personal vision, your own personal vision, right? Yeah. Not not feeding off a, a company vision or when you're in the military being associated with the overall vision of, of whatever branch or unit you are in. So I think, you know, being able to really focus on creating your personal vision and then, you know, setting some realistic goals that you can achieve uh, both short term and long term so that you stay motivated to achieve that vision. And, you know, in that process, you have to be able to identify opportunities as you're going along. And that may mean that you need to adjust your vision. It may mean that you need to adjust some goals and, you know, to be able to maintain that focus. And I, I you know, those are really some core things that I like to work work with, uh, work on with veterans, because a lot of it, you know, we, we immediately get into this mindset of professional focus where we need to take it a little more internal and make sure we understand exactly who we are and where we're, where we want to go. And as long as we have that path defined, I think that a lot of veterans really start to come into their own and, and gain significant momentum. Uh, the jobs will come. The the you know finding the right job, finding the, the culture that fits you, will will come in time. Um, I think that if we don't focus on the personal vision, goal setting, identifying opportunities, and figuring out how to maintain focus, because once you get out of the military, there's a lot of shiny objects and they just keep <laughs> popping up, right? And so it's like, oh, right. Well, this isn't easy. So, oh, but that looks good. And so they run off and, and think, okay, well, I'm just going to completely change and go after that. Well, then they get halfway down that path and this new shiny objects pop up and then they start diverting again. And so we have to learn to put our blinders on to some extent that no, there's a reason. There's a reason I have this vision. While I may adapt it some because you just don't know what you don't know as you're going down that path. Um, I, I think those are really the core things that I like to work on with all veterans in particular. And, you know, and then we then we we take it from there. Once that's established, then it becomes very individualized based on what that person's vision is. Sure. And, and that makes a lot of sense. And and you're right. If you don't spend time and really deep thinking deeply about what it is you want to do after you're out of the military, you can just chase shiny objects, and then you never make real progress. And, and I find myself having to remind myself of that. Even though I'm an entrepreneur and I kind of have my lanes set up on where I want to be, I hear about different things all the time, and I have to remind myself, you know, focus, build, get deep into what I know and be an expert on what I'm doing. And so I certainly understand that. I want to – I want to bring up a couple of points. I know we only have a few minutes before our next break, but I've talked to plenty of employers, and they one thing they like about veterans is they do the basics right. They show up for work on time, if not early. Right. They work until the job is done. They don't complain. They contribute. They are team players. They're willing to take leadership roles when, when it's appropriate, and so on. Things that we just take for granted in the military. Um what are your thoughts about that, especially as an executive at a company? Do you see the other folks who don't have military background kind of struggling with these things we take for granted? Absolutely, I do. Um, that, that's a great point. Yeah, they they do. And I mean, that's, you know, not, I think even if I wasn't 
with a military background, I would be drawn to these to these veterans because those things that you talked about are absolutely critical to the success of a business. And so, you know, I've gone in and used coaching within the teams that I have built. And, you know, while they may not be uh, as veteran heavy um, as some of the other departments in, in the organization, I've been able to help them using those, you know, you to grow those types of uh, core strengths themselves. So I think that they can they can be, co- you know, people can be coached on those core strengths, even if they don't have them. But but the veterans having them absolutely makes them stand out, you know, second to none. You know, I, I laugh because there was a book written years ago and I, I, I I'm going to paraphrase this because I can't recall it exactly, but it said showing up for work is the first step. <laughs> and, you know, it seems so super basic, but timeliness, courtesy, good communication, um, civility, and and being able to work together with just about anyone, you had to do it in the military. You didn't have a choice of who your boss was um, and what your next duty station was. So you're very adaptable in terms of moving from place to place and being able to have effective communication. We're coming up on the break, and I would like to come back from the break and talk about the fact that sometimes veterans have preconceived notions or judgments about the civilian workplace. And let's talk about how that flip side of things also needs to be known. You're listening to Military Network Radio. We're talking with Dwayne Paro about core strengths. You can find out more at LandmarkLifeCoaching.com, and we'll be back after this short break. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. seen the video of the little seal that jumped into the back of a boat to escape being eaten by killer whales? A family was whale watching near Vancouver Island, British Columbia when they noticed a pod of orcas swimming around their boat. All of a sudden, a harbor seal swam up to the stern of their boat and jumped in with the orcas hot on his tail. When a whale leaps out of the water exposing most of its body, it's called breaching. There are 32 different species of seals distributed throughout the world and they're found from polar to tropical waters. The largest concentrations of seals in the U.S. are in California and New England. Everyone who has seen the video agrees this was one lucky seal. What's another word for the fear of the sea? Thalassophobia. It's 
Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Before the break, we were talking about the amazing ways that veterans adapt and contribute to an environment. Let's talk about if you have been coached to a point or have been experiencing things to a point where your attitude, your perspective is one of prejudging a situation in the civilian world, that they're not going to do things the way you did and you've got a better way because that has happened as well. So there's a pendulum swing and you want to be somewhere in the middle Talk about how coming in with an open mind and not prejudging one way or the other allows for that amazing adaptability, stress, and, and communication. Yeah, you know, I think one of the core, another going back to the core strengths that, that is particularly uh, pertinent here is the ability to influence, right? So if mm-hmm. you go into the environment and, you you know, you recognize things aren't, Exactly as you would do them, or as you would hope, uh, you have you have de- developed the ability to to influence, right? You, you you especially if you've been in a combat environment and you're working with you know locals in in the in that you know region, you you really have developed a strong ability to influence because obviously things in that environment weren't exactly the way you would hoped, and so you know trying not to have preconceived ideas when you walk into any environment is is very very important because if if you have those it's like self-fulfilling right then you just mm-hmm. know that's what it's going to be and you almost feed into it as far as you're you're pushing it to be created that way and so but then your response is going to be more of a negative response and it's, you're not really going to ever be cohesive with the other people and that, that work in that environment. And so recognizing that there are cultural differences, it's, it's a great ability. It's a great way to have the ability to influence the environment and educate others in a, you know, in, in a less direct way. And I think that that's what military veterans will find is people in the civilian sector are less direct on things. They, they're, they're, they're a little more wishy-washy as far as giving direction and they want people to be more creative, more innovative and come up with their own solutions where in the military, you know, the, it's, it's more natural to be direct. Uh, this, it's this, so interesting because I'm laughing because come to work for me because that's how I am. Um, <laughs> but but I, I, I do believe that um, you have to be able to read people. And mm-hmm. so being able to be intuitive about what you're seeing, um, what emotions are being used, what's the culture, again, as you said. So understanding to effectively manage your thoughts, your emotions, and, and to build those interpersonal relationships is all very important. Talk a little bit about emotional intelligence and, and how that works in the military and how you can adapt it to a civilian position. Yeah, you know, emotional intelligence is, you know, it's a kind of a technical term, but, you know, it's basically being able to understand the effects you have on others and the and what effects others have on you and being able to internalize that and understand okay this 
that that's how you know this particular individual re- typically responds. So I'm not so I know what type of response I need to have in return to make this an amicable situation. And so I think that veterans are very good at that. I don't know that they necessarily identify the the uh, core strength or ability as emotional intelligence. But it's something that they have been taught in some way that, you know, uh, certain people or certain situations are going to be, you know, a certain way. And you have to be able to not just, you know, spew back at that situation in a negative way. And so (laughs) spewing is usually not a good idea. Right. (laughs) So, you know, the use of emotional intelligence is is really key to building those long term relationships in, in any environment. And it's it's a lot about understanding yourself and how you respond and understanding others and how they react or respond to things. And you always want to be in more of a response mode than a reaction mode. Amen. I think a lot of what we're talking about here, we're talking about emotional intelligence, and it reminds me of a, a core principle of, in the military of taking care of the people around you. Right. Mm-hmm. That starts as a, a fire team leader, you know, a platoon commander, you know, all the way up the chain. And that, this is another thing that I feel that we take for granted in the military because this is what we know, and we have no reason to think it's not like this other places. And when we get to the private sector, it's not always like that. Mm. Uh, and so I think that's something that our vets struggle with is that they don't have that same camaraderie and share history. In fact, when you walk down, a, if you're working at a, at a private company, perhaps it doesn't have a focus on really onboarding veterans. It can be intimidating because now the uh, chain of command is quite different and can be different depending on the project you're on. People talk to each other differently. You don't know their rank, and, and everyone's on a first-name basis. And so um, what have you seen are, are some good techniques that our veterans can think about when dealing with some of these challenges when they get out to the private sector? Yeah, I think, you know, even if you go into an environment, like you said, in, in you know, the executives are being referred to by their first name and, you know, you don't see that that respect that you would uh, expect from others, uh, you know, lower down in the chain. I don't I think the key thing you can do is not change the way you normally would do it. I think that needs to be instituted in any environment. So I think that's an opportunity for the veteran to be a role model, right, to for others to see them using the word sir and ma'am, right, to use uh, Mr. and Mrs. or Miss uh, in with their last name versus just, hey, Joe, right, and it may be the CEO of the company. <laughs> and so I think that, that people seeing that, it, it puts that respect into the organization that needs to be there because things can get real loose if uh, if everybody starts doing that from the ground up as far as just going, you know, and talking to anybody, you know, just just as they see fit. And some of that is uh, is self-created, too, uh, because they say, oh, we want to have open door policy. Well, that doesn't mean just run in and, you know, uh, (laughs) do what you want at any time. So I, I did a program a couple years ago at Stanford University. Um, 
and it was it was for veteran entrepreneurs. And we went over to Google and Twitter and some of those Silicon Valley companies and talked to veterans who were working there. And I was really impressed with everyone we spoke with. And they, they didn't wear their veteran status on their shoulder. You wouldn't necessarily know that they were veterans, although they were all very – they could articulate very well what they were doing there. And you could tell that they were – every day using these skills that we learned in the military. I really appreciated that they didn't put it out there for public consumption, but they let the results speak for themselves. And I hope a lot of our other veterans who are working with you uh, start to do that as well. Yeah, that's a great point. It's Yeah, you don't have to – exactly. You don't have to wear a label or put it out there. You just need to exemplify that. Yeah, and um, – that, that that just really uh, rang home with me because I don't I don't think we need to tell everyone that we're veterans. I mean, people are going to learn about it when we start working in a company. It'll come up, especially if we're a company that has um, a veteran employee resource group or a mentor program or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that because and I know. That executives appreciate, as I said earlier, what we bring to the table. If we can just remind ourselves that this might be a little bit different culture, but we get, we will succeed there if we um, just implement what we already learned while we're in the military. Agreed. You know what I love is that um, we are getting now uh, with companies hiring, understanding that just being, and I'm putting this in air quotes for you, veteran friendly really means nothing. But onboarding of veterans is a very important thing. And while you say don't wear it on your sleeve or or you don't necessarily need to let your actions speak for yourselves, I'm always a fan of that. I I think that we are becoming more aware, especially of um, vets who may still be in the military. Those in the reserve or guard actually have they're doing better now that the op tempo is slowed, but when it wasn't, that was impossibly hard. They would come back in country, and it was back at work in, what, 48 hours? And it was it was very, very difficult and almost schizophrenic. So it, it appears as though companies are becoming much more savvy about how to onboard vets. Would you agree with that? Dwayne, I have my thoughts, so what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that certain organizations are certainly getting it. There's certain institutions I think that are lagging. But um, no, I, I think that, you know, that uh, that's a positive upside of all the, you know, the wartime that we've recently been through is it's forced organizations to have a better, more clear focus on what they need to do for veterans. So I think it is getting better. I think there's work to do, but I, I think so. Yeah, and similarly, I you know I do a fair amount of consulting with these companies, and and I do appreciate that they're willing to say we want to support our veterans, but we don't we don't necessarily have all the answers. And so, if we're talking about reservists and National Guards men and women, for instance, if I say well, what do you do to support them when they're not there, uh, or would you like to? And they say yes. Yeah, so what do you do? Well, nothing really. 
Mm-hmm. There are some easy ones they could do. They could have a monthly care package event, which everyone gets to contribute to, and they feel great about it. And then that person overseas knows their company cares. They, they could have a flag on their desk while they're deployed. They could include their families at events they have to make sure they're still involved. So lots of little steps they could take, and, and a number are doing those. Um, and, and they're easy to do, but they're just not something they necessarily think about. So, Linda, I, I do think that there are a number that are doing these things. Of course, there, there are some that aren't, um, and that's the difference between being, quote-unquote, military-friendly and mm-hmm. really embracing and onboarding veterans the right way. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, it's, a, it's been an interesting uh, journey to watch the process because – I'm very positive about the way that it seems to be going. And as you know, veteran employment is down. The area where we're having some difficulty are women veterans and then in our military spouses as well. So we have to go on our final break. And I apologize for breaking up our discussion. When we come back, let's talk further. You're listening to Military Network Radio. We're talking to Dwayne Paro, and we'll be back after these short messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, Cutting Edge Radio. It's Marching Valentine's Day has been celebrated in different ways around the world. In Italy, one tradition suggests that the first man a single woman sees on Valentine's Day was the man she would eventually marry. What's a word for the first person you see after you leave the house in the morning? A qual tag. In South Africa, some women pin the name of their love interest on their shirt sleeves, following an ancient Roman tradition known as Lupercalia. This is how South African men learn of their secret admirers. In America, it is widely believed that if women don't receive a gift of candy, flowers, or a card from their guy on Valentine's Day, he's probably going to get dumped. This is usually the cause for a charrette or an 11th hour effort by men to buy their woman a Valentine's gift. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Well, we're talking to Dwayne Paro, and before the break, we were talking about how um, male veteran employment is now down. Uh, women veteran employment is is still too high, and especially military spouse employment, unemployment is too high. And so let's just take a few minutes to talk about that part, and, and I, I will remind everyone that our, our tagline is, everyone serves and together we make a difference. So the value of the family and the support, as well as being able to support each other with having employment opportunities matters. So, Twain or Justin, who wants to take that first? Let's start with our guest. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, as, as veterans are transitioning out, sometimes the, the, the family slash spouse gets lost in that process, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're not recognized in that process that they actually are going through the same transition. And so, you know, and they, by association with a veteran have, have very similar core strengths that they've developed because it's hard not to, you live with the individual. And so, you know, you, you really start to, um, adapt or adopt rather the, 
those uh, those core strengths as well. So you know the 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 employment rate I'm sure is is significantly affected for spouses um, mm-hmm. during it this transition. It is mostly to do with portability and mm-hmm. licensing, and they're working on that. So mm-hmm. that's that's a plus, but it still is too high. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, I it's almost an underserved um, area of support for those individuals because everybody's focused on the veteran, but yet you know here's that family that supported them for so long and so many years and what they were doing for the military, and they've had to move you know location to location and they start to uh, trail in pay, they start to trail in career progression or just finding a job to help you know support the family. So I think it's you know it's important that we have a focus on that mm-hmm. Justin uh, I, I've seen I, I certainly well aware that uh, the issues that you just described with the military spouses because they do have to move around and almost have to start their careers over to a certain degree when they do that when they, when they make those sacrifices well there are there are um, there are some significant efforts out there uh, with within the DOD itself but also with Chamber of Commerce, other groups out there that are focusing on it, which I, which I think is significant because uh, it's different having a veterans event or a service member event and saying, oh, and bring your spouse along versus having a specific program just for military spouses, whether they're men or women, that's irrelevant. So there, there are some efforts out there. Um, it takes a little bit of looking to find them, but we have a long way, long way to go with that. But when we talk about coaching and learning how to do what Dwayne has talked about to a certain degree, that applies because our military spouses also have a lot of these same um, skills that they've learned just from being part of the larger military family. So I think they can also take some of what we learned today and apply it to, to their job searches and how they act in a corporate environment as well. Well said. I, I think it does. It does matter. I I do love what I know about the those in the military who truly do have a thirst for knowledge. They they're quick at at learning new things and usually very curious intellectually and practically speaking. How do you think that fits into a success formula? Yeah, your your ability to uh, you know quickly pick up on. Uh, learning new things is is important, and you're you know always a lifelong learner, and not not losing that thirst for knowledge, wanting to understand you know uh, new material, new situations, things like that is critical because that that thirst is what kind of keeps that drive going, and you know taking in that that new knowledge it just makes you that much more valuable to any institution that that you would work for. I'm also a fan of lifelong learning. I've taken a number of different courses over the years. My New Year's resolution this year was to read a book a week, and I'm almost on track. I'm just a book or two behind. It takes dedicated effort, but when you pick the books you want to read, whether they're you know fiction or related to inspiration or leadership or biographies, we we can learn we can learn from the experience of others, and so. I just, while you're in the military, you're, you're continually 
training to go to a new course, whether it's corpus course or command staff college or whatever it is you're, you're prepping for that, then you're in those courses. So whether you realize it or not, you are, you are constantly uh, learning as an adult in the military. And that shouldn't change when we come to the private sector either because there's always more to learn in our industry and, and in life in general. What do you think about mentorship? Finding someone within an organization that, even if it's not a formal onboarding veteran relationship as a mentor, do you recommend, because I have always found it to be helpful, finding someone who knows the ropes, someone who has your best interests at hand, and someone who is really flattered by the opportunity that you would like their expertise and, and just to even be a sounding board? Yeah, I think mentorship with an organization almost should be a standard. Um, I've seen a lot of individuals, whether no matter what level they're at, they, they really struggle on how to get to that next level or how to be successful at the level they're at. I, I myself have mentored some of the junior uh, individuals that work in my organization. And, you know, initially they were a little apprehensive and, you know, weren't really sure that they wanted mentorship. But after they got into it, they were like, they were all in and, and they just have come to me and said, you know, I just love the time we spend together because we don't make it formal. We, you know, we go, we have a cup of coffee and it's like, all right, what, what's some challenges you're facing? What, you know, what's some things you'd like, you know, support on? And when they realize it's really about them driving the agenda and in growing, they, they really, they really do take to it and they, they realize how much quicker they can grow in their career and personal life through it. Well, I just personally believe that you add value to both the mentor and the mentee oh, when that happens. And and mm. adding value to others is, is another form of service, mm-hmm. which is an easy way, whether that person is military or non-military. In fact, what I've seen is there are often mentor relationships between non-military and military because they want to learn more. And I, I do believe we have a public who is very willing to assist, support, and to help. They just don't know how or they're curious and not everyone asks stupid questions. Some people truly <laughs> want to know, well, that's the ones you hear about. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that you, you know, you hear the disdain, how could they ask those ridiculous questions? But there's always going <laughs> to be people like that. But I do believe that the mentor relationship in, in all work environments. So as you take a look at the core strengths for transitioning vets, Dwayne, what do you, what would you sum up if you had to give someone, I don't want to call it a 30-second elevator pitch, but something to a point of, you know, I, I'm thinking of transitioning and getting out in the next uh, two years or so, you know, how do I approach this? Because I think sometimes they're better served taking a good long look and self-evaluating uh, before the time comes to have that job search. What would you tell them? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say, you know, start early for sure. As soon as you have the inkling that you that you were going to transition, you need to start early, create, you know, a long term plan, focus on a long term plan rather than a short, short term, you know, just get a job kind of mentality. And, you know, start building structure around you in a support network. And, you know, even a, even a social life in, in where you're going, right? Because you have a social life now. And a lot of people kind of throw that to the wayside to make the transition. And, and I think that it's critical that you continue having some type of social life uh, so that 
you have a, a way to relax and enjoy the process. And you want to really be looking at your financial wellness, right? Have a plan. Okay, where am I now? Where do I want to be? And what do I need to make sure my family is safe and secure and comfortable with this transition? And, you know, as we talked before, having that educational wellness, right? Making sure that if you if you know you're transitioning and you haven't had the time to do your uh, due diligence in your in the educational realm of either getting degrees or certifications or understanding what your industry needs. Now's the time to do that so that you're not doing it after and trying to play catch up. Wow, those are those are lots of uh, that's a lot of good advice and a short, concise thing. I mean, when you talk about financial wellness and being prepared, that reminds me, especially for folks who are thinking about being entrepreneurs and. Um, before I started being an entrepreneur, I had a full-time job uh, as a lawyer with the FBI. And so on the side, in the background, I developed my business. Uh, and it wasn't until – and I had permission to do that. And so it wasn't until I felt like I was going to be able to earn enough money from that business that I left my full-time job and, and undertook that because um, – the worst thing, the worst, or one of the worst things that could happen is you are excited to jump out uh, and take advantage of this opportunity and grow and build something, and things take a lot longer than you initially expect, and then you have significant financial issues, and that can change the course of everything. It could, you know, obviously your business may not take off. It could affect your relationships. It could affect your whole outlook, and so. I'm not saying we need to be all consumed with money, but being smart about how we're using our money and planning for the future is critical. It's a critical part of any transition. So I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that, Dwayne. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's so there's so many different areas, right? Having the support network, having the financial wellness, having educational wellness, you know, having a structure because we all, you know, coming from the military, we we've, we've we've all thrived on that structure, and the structure isn't inherently there. In the civilian sector, you have to create your own structure. And, uh, you know, if, if we're ones that thrive in structure, that's important to plan that out in advance. I'm going to throw a little devil's advocate wrench in here. <laughs> How do you feel that veterans do in terms of introspection prior to job hunting and, and jumping to the next one? Is there so much excitement? Or, and, and do they spend the requisite time that's necessary to know what is best for them next? Yeah, it probably varies by individual, but um, I, I I would say probably I don't know that it's excitement. You know, it depends on the individual. You know, I think they probably have more apprehension than anything. And since mm-hmm. typically people that are apprehensive about something try not to focus on it, <laughs> and so they, they, <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> that's right. They kind of hope it'll just all work out, and you know, in some ways it may, and some ways it may not. And so I, I think it, it it depends on the individual. But I think the more we can educate and influence people to to be you know introspective about where they're at and where they want to go, it, it's just you know all the better it'll be for them. You know, Dwayne, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and knowledge with us today. It is, you know, been a very informative hour. If you want to know more about Dwayne and his coaching uh, business, go to landmarklifecoaching.com. And, you know, we thank you so much for contributing today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, same here. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And, you know, all of you listening, you know, this is the kind of thing that you 
can take practically to friends who need to know about these issues. Um, come back to Military Network Radio next week where we'll have more interesting guests for you. We're always striving to give you stories and practical knowledge because everyone serves and together we do make a difference. You're listening to Military Network Radio and we'll be back next week with another terrific show. Have a good week. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance 